Hi, you're listening to Corkscrew Convos, a theme park podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm DJ. And we are here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, the industry, and everything in between. But DJ, before we go any further, would you please start us off with a little something we call a disclaimer. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. Thank you, DJ. Now that that's out of the way, we can get to the real business. Like, we have a new logo rolling out soon. By the time many people listen to this episode, I assume we'll we'll have it all rolled out and it's going to look great. What do you think? I think it looks great. I think it sets us apart. It really, um, I guess it might be a spoiler, but like you said, everyone listening is probably already seeing it, but if for some reason that doesn't happen, we can treat this like a teaser or we're just describing it. It definitely gives that feeling of kind of the 1920s, 1930s amusement park vibe. Would you agree with that? Yes, but throwing in a little bit of NPR, and I think that's a good mix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a little bit of... Tomorrowland-ish? Yes, I would say that. And a touch of whimsy. Yes, and not a corkscrew, but a helix. But it's close. (laughs) Yes, it's a helix in the track and the logo, not a corkscrew. But, I mean, you couldn't really fit a corkscrew in there. That It wouldn't work. Nope. But it looks great. Let us know what you think of it. I think it looks awesome. But that's the new branding going forward. We're locked in. Uh, contractually obligated for 20 years, and uh, we'll see We'll see how far it goes. Yeah, I mean, we might sponsor and get the naming rights for a sports stadium here and there, um, <laughs> but we're going to hold on to that logo, so uh, look out for the billboards as you're driving to various parks around the country, maybe even the world uh, eventually, um, and you may see this Corkscrew Convos logo. And the smallest coaster train known to man. <laughs> Yes, but it's it's very good. I love the logo. I'm so excited for it. Same here. And a very talented friend of mine came up with it. She does great work. Uh, and this is just further showing what she can do. And she's a person that doesn't know anything about theme parks. Uh, we gave her a lot of uh, uh, feedback on what we wanted. And personally, I think she did an incredible job not knowing much about theme parks. Yes, knocked it out of the park. I am really pleased. Really pleased. Absolutely. Changes are happening. That is true. Speaking of changes, you have had a pretty big change in your life over this past week. Isn't that right? Yes, the most expensive change probably of my life. <laughs> yeah, and what is that change? I'm now a first-time homeowner. Uh, it's taken a little bit longer than I wanted to, um, but was able to procure a home in one of my favorite cities, and one of my favorite spots in that city. Very happy with what I have. Um, a sweet old man used to own the house, and rather than what I believe he was going to do and give it to some sort of development uh, real estate firm, he gave it to us, even though our offer wasn't the highest, because we put in a sweet letter. And so Aww. here we are. You can hear that probably wood floor reverberate <laughs> where I'm at. Going to have to install some sound dampening panels. Uh, but it's very unique. If I could just take a minute and tell you where I'm at, I'm I'm in this this office, and I I'm going to do more history on the house. The house was built in 1927, 
and this office is separated from the house. In fact, if you were to go into the office from the back door of the house, there is a doorbell on the door that chimes completely different than the front door. The front door chimes twice, the one in the back chimes once. I assume an accountant, maybe a uh, maybe a practicing doctor, something like that, uh, probably use this office for that. I can't say that for sure, but I'm going to research and let you know. But uh, I'm in this awesome office now. Six windows, two on all three sides. It's it's wonderful. Well, DJ, you said 1927. Mm-hmm. The Coney Island Cyclone hadn't even opened yet. I'm pretty sure that was 1929. <laughs> so... This house that you're in predated the Coney Island Cyclone. I think it was two years after the Thunderbolt, the original Thunderbolt at Coney Island was built. Um, the Wild One, before it was at Six Flags America, that coaster was 10 years old when your house opened. But sorry, just putting in a little coaster perspective to this very exciting new addition to your life. Well, and as we know with older coasters, if you put the love and care into things, they last for a very, very long time. And so this house is in great shape. I'm going to keep it that way. That sounds like a plan. I look forward to hearing about your family's expression on their faces when they walk into this office room that of this house that you just bought and there's soundproof panels on every surface and a, a huge rug <laughs> beneath you. Um, it's, I mean, it's what you're going to do, clearly, but I think it'll be... <laughs> An adjustment. I'm really looking forward to seeing their faces. Even the door to come in has uh, a window and blinds on it. So you could tell that there used to be some sort of uh, maybe paint or sticker on there um, saying who this person was and what they did. It's actually funny you mentioned all the soundproofing too. My, My partner went to school for sound engineering. And so she has now the opportunity to sound dampen this room and put the rug and maybe do some more of that. So... Uh, we've got it covered here in the sound department. i got to step up my game now so I can match your sound quality. Okay. Yeah, so I've had a bit of change, but you have too, including even a, a change in clothes, perhaps? Well, I put in this note. I, I have been considering for months about buying a pair of overalls. But when I'm looking at overalls, either on a website or in the catalog, I think about what the addition of overalls would mean for my life. I mean, it would fundamentally it would fundamentally change me and who I am, I think. And it's a change I've been going back and forth with back and forth. I say, you know, I should just bite the bullet and buy these overalls. They're already discounted. But then I go back and forth. So while you're worrying about getting a house and all these papers and everything, I'm worrying about getting overalls. (laughs) It's a little different, but also stressful sometimes. (laughs) Well, I grew up around overalls. I come from a very, very small community, um, small towns. A lot of people wore them. Uh, That being said, there are many brands, so don't think you're locked into just blue denim overalls by any means. Oh, no. I, I wouldn't get blue denim if I were to get overalls. I would get a, a sort of black denim. Yes. Or even a nice gray, I think. Mm-hmm. Something that would match well with a flannel. Something that would make me look like a real country person, like down to earth. Like, I have a flannel, I have overalls. I'm not wearing a belt because it's an overalls. Like, that sort of thing. But. They're extremely functional. That's They are. Sure. 
the thing is, I've had less time to think about whether or not or how or when or why I would get overalls because, DJ, I'm back to work. Yes, you heard that right. I am back to work. I am one of the many people that has been personally affected by this tumultuous job market this year, but I got the call. They said, all right, come back to work. And I said, okay, let's do this thing. And so, DJ, I'm back to work. <laughs> Finally, it took a while, and uh, who knows if it'll stick, but it's good to be back. Now, I know what the listeners might be thinking. They might be saying, all right, that's the last nail in the coffin for Corkscrew Convos. That's the last we'll hear from them. They're both working now. Listener, I'll say this to you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I am here. I'm just going to have to be a little more smart with how I manage my time between work and leisure and sleeping and podcast recording and editing. But listener, I'm up to the challenge. So don't worry about me. Just be glad. <laughs> I am back to work, finally. So DJ, I know this was a little bit of a tangent on my part. I do apologize for that. Let me get my barbecue talk out of the way because, you know, we got to do it. It's what the people want, and that's what we're here for after all. So, last weekend, I got back to sort of my signature dish for barbecue smoking, and that's baby back ribs. And they turned out so delicious. I got three ribs, three racks of ribs from Costco, and then I put some mustard on them to adhere the dry rub. I just use a chipotle and roasted garlic dry rub. Uh, it was pre-mixed. I didn't make it myself this time. Um, then I let it sit for a little under an hour as I was getting the grill ready, the smoker, uh, and smoked them for at 250 degrees for around five and a half hours. On two of the rib racks, I put an Asian barbecue sauce that was delicious. I think it was tomato-based. It was a little tangy, but it was so good. And of course, on the on the last rack, I just left it dry. And when I say dry, I don't mean dry in the texture. I mean dry being no sauce. And a lot of people say that you shouldn't put sauce on real barbecue because the smoke flavor and the dry rub is what should be informing your flavor palate. To an extent, I agree with that, but I like options. Mm -hmm. So I had two racks with this new sauce that I bought, and then one rack I kept dry. And it was so delicious, DJ. It was so good. I kind of have a little uh, mouth-watering going on here. That sounds incredible. I realized I didn't let you talk at all <laughs> when I was telling my process. That's okay. I don't know anything about it, so... <laughs> well, now you do. I know the I rub and the slow smoke. That's about it. Yeah, I hope I brought you in and, and told you a little bit about my barbecue experience because it's a large part of my life. It's one of my hobbies. And I, I really like smoking ribs and, and brisket and pork and all that. It's a lot and of fun. And on that note, we will wait for the barbecue-themed roller coaster to hit shelves one day. Hey, I think the convergence between roller coasters and barbecue is only getting closer. <laughs> you look at worlds of fun. I imagine a Venn diagram. Yes. It's, they're overlapping more and more every year. Cedar Point at a barbecue restaurant in 2019, 
Uh, Worlds of Fun added a barbecue restaurant this year. Um, there's been a barbecue restaurant at Bush Gardens Williamsburg for almost 20 years now. It's it's a thing, and it's an overlap, so it's okay that I mentioned it in this podcast, I feel like. That's all right. Absolutely. Well, before we get into the goings-on, I want to mm. throw out a few shout-outs, if that's okay with you, DJ. Do it. Let the world know. Okay, we're going to shout. Uh, we have a few friends who I heard that they might be needing a podcast to occupy their time a little bit this weekend. So I'm hoping that we can get out this podcast pretty soon after we record. I'll do the editing, I'll add in the music, and then boom, I'll put it right out there. I won't even wait. Yep. Um, we're going to shout out David. We're going to shout out Cassie D. Uh, and we're going to shout out all their friends. because. They've got some time on their hands, and I bet they're wondering, well, I wish I had a podcast to listen to. So this is what this podcast is for. This is dedicated to them. Your podcast. Enjoy it. And hopefully it's entertaining enough. Hopefully it, it uh, does what it needs to do to keep you occupied. Yeah. So just turn on the podcast, turn it up, and I hope it helps pass the time. David. Cassie D, this shout-out is for you. Cassie D sounds like a... Although I'm DJ. It sounds like a DJ's name. DJ Cassie D. I like that. <laughs> yeah, okay. I yeah. like the sound of that. David's just Cassie David. D? But, yeah. You have Cass been, Cassie D on the track. Yeah. You have been here renamed, and so be it. Let's get into <laughs> the goings-on. Let's do it. So this first goings-on uh, has a, a little bit of a um, spot in my heart. Um, I say that because this ride, I believe, is one of the first probably 10 roller coasters I, I, I had ever been on, maybe even five. Um, had some, we have some great family friends in this area. Uh, we would uh, sometimes visit them in southern Indiana, and when we would visit them, we would hit this little gym of a park known as Holiday World and Splash and Safari. A uh, family-owned park by the uh, Cook family. A great park, but it was there that I experienced what is, I believe, the number one roller coaster for four years in a row? Something like that. Uh, the Raven. Uh, it's a great wooden roller coaster, but some things are happening to the Raven. We know how cared for the rides are at Holiday World, specifically their wooden roller coasters. And it looks like we're seeing a pretty big uh, update here on the Raven. Yes, that's right. I mean, you look over the last few years, I believe it was 2016 that the legend got a lot of its track reprofiled. They added in a slightly different element, and they really invested in a tougher wood on a lot of sections on the coaster to make for a, um, an easier ride to maintain. Uh, the Voyage, I mean, it, last year it closed early for the season because of all the work that they were going to do to it um, over this offseason. And from what I've heard in 2020, the people that have ridden the Voyage say that it's as good as it's ever been. And all three of these wooden coasters, I mean, they truly are, they're, they're on their own, they're, they're all incredible in my opinion. And to have them all in one park is, is really something special. Um, we had seen some work on the Raven, just ma you know, yearly maintenance that would happen. And I even remember when um, they put timber liners 
on Raven. I don't know if you remember that, Chris, but that was the first time we ever saw Timberliner trains being used, and we thought they were going to go on the voyage someday. And while those Timberliner trains were on the Raven, they were actually running Raven trains on the voyage. I always thought that was so cool. Really? Why did they try it out on the Raven first instead of the voyage? I assume just because, I mean, out of all three coasters, the Raven is the smallest. Um, and so that was maybe a test for it. And at this time, uh, unless I'm wrong, I don't think there was any place you could find that a Timberliner was being tested. I remember Holiday World saying it was going to go on the voyage. They were going to try out these new trains. I remember seeing renders of blue trains. Uh, and I don't know. There's a YouTube video out there that, that, that showed it. It might still be somewhere buried in YouTube, but you can see the Timberliners on the Raven, and it moves. Um, it takes the track faster than the normal trains do, and it, they were very loud. I remember that as well. Oh, um, but, I remember but, seeing this video. It was so loud. <laughs> Yeah, you. I mean, it's it was hard to focus. It was so loud. It's a video in the middle of the of the layout. It was during the winter, so you could see the whole layout. Um, but what I remember was so cool at the same time um, was that the Raven trains were on the voyage, and that was something extremely special. I may be getting those mixed up, but I'm pretty sure that happened at the same time. And Holiday World had kind of talked about it on their blog, saying, "Hey, if you ever want to ride the Raven on the voyage, like this is the only time." And so you would see a red train on the voyage. They did put the voyage decal on it, um, but you'd see a red train on the voyage. Wow. Such an interesting history for this park and their three legendary wooden coasters. Now, the coaster there that's called the Legend is not the only legendary coaster there. But as we've said, it is the Raven's turn to get some real work put into it to enhance the rider experience. And no, when I say Raven turn, I'm not talking about the element on some 4D coasters where you go into a half loop and then it's sort of like an Immelman, but you don't flip the track. The track doesn't right itself. It's only possible on 4D coasters, but I digress. This is not a Raven turn. It's the Raven's turn. And we have some information from the Holoblog. They are completely rebuilding from the ground up this turn that happens over Lake Rudolph. Of course, Holiday World is in Santa Claus, Indiana. Everything's holiday-themed. It's awesome that the whole town goes in on it. Uh, and for a while, I don't know if they still do this, even Letters to Santa would go to Santa Claus, Indiana. Mm. But this entire turn is being built from the ground up. Yes, it does go over a lake. Some people don't realize that. The ride books it through the woods. Um, it's really not that fast of a ride. It's just how close you are to the ground. You get a great sense of speed from the ride. But we know that this entire new section is going to completely change the ride experience as far as comfortability is, is concerned. Right. And you look at wooden coasters everywhere. When it comes to regular off-season maintenance, it's a pretty common thing for sections of track to be replaced and for new lumber to replace old lumber. But to build it from the ground up, to rebuild that section of track, um, it's not something that we see every day. So they're really putting in a lot of love to the Raven to make what is already a great wooden coaster even better for years to come. Yeah, and that's it's a great point you bring up. I was going to touch on that is that Holiday World doing this extensive amount of work just goes to show uh, people like us, but also to their guests, if their guests know about it, the Raven's going to be here for a long time. They wouldn't be doing this if it's going to be here for a few more years, that's for sure. 
Yes, I'm very confident that the coaster lineup at Holiday World will only expand from here. With the amount of effort and love that they put into their wooden coasters and the Thunderbird, and even the Holodog Express, <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great park. It's really nice. And now, they're not just changing the turn on the Raven. There's another surprise in there that we're not sure about. Well, on the Holla blog post that was released today, they teased another surprise that would be announced at a later date. We don't know what it is yet, but they did say, hey, it's not a new element, don't get too excited. <laughs> so that limits the scope of what it could be, but it does have me speculating, DJ. It has me thinking. I'll tell you what I think it is. Okay. I'm going to give you one answer. Okay. I think it's new trains, specifically from PTC. Because if from, I'm not mistaken... Oh, go ahead. From PTC? Yes, Philadelphia Toboggan Company. Um, any of these classic wood coaster trains you see, think of those boxy trains with comfy leather seats, uh, some nice metal trim around the uh, entire uh, perimeter of the car, uh, those nice loud screeching cars. They're going to get new PTCs, I think, because if I'm not mistaken, PTC normally rebuilds trains on a schedule and does routine maintenance. And I could be wrong on this as well, but I want to say I heard somewhere that they actually require those trains to be brought in at certain intervals uh, to make sure that the proper maintenance and care has been done. So I think you're just going to see all new trains from PTC, which although it sounds like I'm diminishing it, uh, I'm not diminishing it at all. That's awesome. That's great for the park. Uh, anytime you get an upgraded PTC, any, any train at all, that's always good. Well, I think to a few years back with PTC, they had showed off a new generation of wooden coaster train that had some more freedom of emotion. It was a little less boxy, and I, I don't know if we've seen that in practice at any coaster yet. Nope, that's our if, articulating If you're train. right. Yeah, they, are, they articulate through the turns, so they're a little easier on the coaster track. Uh, through everyday operation. And the rider as well. It's a little less rough if it articulates to the turn instead of just plowing through like <laughs> some trains do, which can make for a good ride, but it could be better sometimes. <laughs> um, so if you're right, maybe it'll be that new generation of PTC. I'm going in a different direction from you, DJ. Okay. Vertical loop? Well, no, I don't think we're going to get a loop. I don't think we're going to get a barrel roll either. <laughs> because they, they did already say uh, no, no new elements. That's right. I think it's one of two things. They're going to add a tunnel. When it's like, ooh, yeah, a tunnel, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a raven, so it can get a little spooky. I think that's fine. It already um, has a great tunnel as well. It already has a tunnel? Yeah, at the bottom of the drop. Oh, maybe they'll add another tunnel. First drop. <laughs> I'm all about tunnels on Woody's. Yes. Or I think they could be getting new trains, but I'm going to go in a different direction from you. I don't think it would be PTC if they would get new trains. I think it would be GCI. They've already tested the Timberliners, and for whatever reason, it didn't stick. Mm -hmm. But we look to what was the work that was done on the Legend at Holiday World a few years ago, it was GCI that was reprofiling certain elements of the legend. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I think, hmm, maybe this is GCI doing this work too to some degree. Maybe they're going to be getting Millennium Flyer trains or even those new trains that we talked about last episode mm-hmm. that are capable of doing more. And even though the, the Raven isn't a world-beating coaster when it comes to crazy wooden coaster elements, if you put high-quality wooden coaster trains on it, it's not a bad thing. Um, so those are the two things I think might be the most likely. When I get over to less likely, I think, hmm, maybe they're putting some Titan track on it. Last episode, we talked about GCI coming out with their no-weld, rivet-only steel track that they're offering and beginning to offer. Uh, so far, it's only on one coaster, White Lightning at Fun Spot. Maybe they're getting a little Titan track. I think it's unlikely because mm, we probably would have heard something about that. But maybe. And then I think another less likely thing that might still be worthy of an announcement is maybe they're putting little effects on it. Like, oh, here's two Raven animatronics through the course. It's going to be scary. Ooh. <laughs> maybe hey, something like that. Even some sound in the, uh, on that ride. When you first come out of the station, you go into the, the other train storage building that's kind of spooky themed. Maybe some noise in there. But I would, I would debate you quickly on the new GCI trains. Only okay. because I think if they do that, they're going to have to rework the entire station gate system. And I don't know how expensive that is. That just seems like an additional thing they would have to do to do those Millennium Flyers. I don't, well, I don't know that for sure. I know they're close to PTC. but hmm. Now you got me doubting myself, and I don't like that. Well, I like your other ideas. And I think still GCI is a great idea. I'm just thinking of red flags. A tunnel seems like, okay, we're already here. Let's put a tunnel on it. Effects, same thing. Let's throw some speakers into it. We can talk about that a little bit. Um, but the yeah. whole new trains from GCI when your other two coasters have been running PTC for so long. I don't know. What if, speaking of effects, they put different parts of the ride, not when you're like really moving because it'd be too loud, but maybe on the lift or in the transfer track or whatever. It's, it says parts of the poem. That'd be uh, incredible. Yeah, from Edgar Allan Poe. And easy like, to do as well. Yeah. Quoth the raven, nevermore. And you Never, drop. Never? That's a parrot. That's not a raven. <laughs> what does a raven sound like? Uh, I don't know. They're extremely smart, though. Yeah, so you could train a parrot, and that could be the new effect. I think we've, I think we've really nailed it down. Ravens can use uh, hand tools. That, you that. that scares me a little bit. Yep, it, they're <laughs> too smart for their own good. Look it up. If you're listening, Google Raven using tools and just enjoy. Poof. Okay. Well, let's go. Oh, get, <laughs> let's get away from the creepiness and talk about something else. I think that was a good closer on that. <laughs> yeah. And here's, here's the next thing I have for you, DJ. It is the day back guarantee from parks that are operated by Palace Entertainment. So this is talking about Kennywood, Lake Compounds, uh, some of the water parks like Raging Waters in California. Um, They have already come out with a policy. If a park's 2021 operating schedule is interrupted to any degree next year, the missing days from the 2021 season will be added to those season passes the next year in 2022. They will also offer... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Just, Just sorry. 
what does that mean? Does that mean if we missed June 2nd, March 29th, October 11th, because whatever reason, does that mean those days next year will count? Or does that mean that your pass will entitle you for three additional visits the next year? Or do they it's, just tack on three days to the operating season? It's difficult to look to the future about what will cause delays and closure and, and interruptions in the operating season. Okay. But I think what they're working on is delayed openings. I think that's going to be the most common thing. Okay. Um, yeah. And so those missed days, they're not going to be new operating days in 2022. I think they're going to keep with their same schedule. But for season pass holders, the days that they lose in 2021 will be added to 2022. So it'll, it'll probably be a little strange where mm -hmm. you look at one season pass or um, one park season pass, and a lot of the 2021 season passes. Maybe in 2022, they run until maybe the second weekend in May because that's how many days they miss through the weekends in the spring. Um, but that's what they're offering, and they're also going to offer prorated 2022 season passes to those same pass holders from the previous year. So they're already giving them extra days if days are missed next year for 2022 and then they'll offer them the prorated rate for the rest of the 2022 season. Am I making any sense, DJ? That makes sense. I'm wondering what you think about all of that, especially the 2022. That's, that's pretty bold. Yeah, now we're getting to two years away, and it's already affecting how things operate, but that's where we are right now. Now, what I think, I think it's a smart move. It's getting ahead of everything. It's giving the consumer the confidence to buy a 2021 season pass. Because I know that people are already thinking about it. They're saying, hmm, if I got to spend 300 something dollars to buy my family season passes, and there's a chance that I might not get the whole season, I really got to think about if it's worth spending this money. This move from Palace is saying, you can be confident in your decision to spend this money at our parks. Because companies have had varying methods for making customers whole in 2020. Um, it seems like every company has had a different method. But moving forward, I think the average guest is going to continue to be concerned in investing money into a season pass and whatever add-ons they, they choose to buy. I believe it was the quarter three, uh, end of the third quarter earnings call for Six Flags. Uh, they did mention that uh, half of their membership base canceled um, in this uh, third by the end of this third quarter. Um, that is interesting to, to compare to Cedar Fair's earnings call. Mm -hmm. They mentioned that I think it was 30% of season pass holders canceled um, over that same period. So it's interesting when you look at membership versus season pass and what the different companies yeah. have offered in service recovery. Uh, but it's something that we're definitely going to have to look for in the future. So they saved 70%, though. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. It seems like a through, good number. Yes. Yeah, so the season pass was more durable than the membership, and that might be because people perceive it differently. Mm -hmm. Even month-to-month month versus the yeah. one-time cost. That's... I, 
I well, the Cedar Fair does offer a payment plan, right? Um, but I guess people just perceive it differently. So it, it'll be interesting to see as we move forward what these companies do to make things good for consumers to buy. Mm. Yeah, time will tell. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, DJ, we got an interesting video. I know last episode we talked about the new trains for Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which is the new spinning roller coaster going into Epcot at Walt Disney World. Well, we got an even bigger release this week, and that's a video of it. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Um, you see this somewhat uh, plain-looking coaster layout and a spinning car, um, but this is a programmed spinning. So they are moving this car, the Imagineers, that is, where they want it to in specific show scenes. So you could be backwards at one point, you could be on the side, you could be... Um, turning left while the actual ride vehicle is spinning to the right. Um, I don't think it's a, a, a nausea-inducing sort of movement, but it's definitely interesting. Um, less spinning for sure, more more repositioning, I would say. Yes, I think that's a good way to put it. They're calling it the Omni Coaster, which is a play on Omni Mover. And are you familiar with what an Omni Mover is, DJ? Um, I th- think I am. Enlighten me. T- to me, when I think of Omnimover, um, I think of the um, oh, the one at Magic Kingdom. Everyone's hating me right now because I don't know what it's called. Because <laughs> I've drawn a blank. Uh, the uh, the the ride of the future or something. Um, uh, Haunted Mansion. <laughs> oh, okay, Haunted Mansion. Sorry, I think of Doom buggies. So I didn't know that's the yeah. same thing. Uh, the first Omnimover technology was in Adventures Through Inner Space in 1966, I think, in Disneyland. People Mover. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. Oh, people Mover. That's <laughs> a little different. I, I thought that was an Omnimover. Sorry. Sorry, folks. It's okay. He's learning. <laughs> He's learning Disney stuff little by little. The Omnimover is the Haunted Mansion ride system, where it's just this continuous track of pretty small ride vehicles that can house one or two or three people. Um, And these vehicles turn to show different show scenes as you go through the ride. It can go up and down, left and right, and a combination of those movements, uh, but is an early ride system. They're calling this roller coaster an omni-coaster because it's turning the coaster cars to see whatever they want to show you. And so, like you said, it's a very controlled spin, almost repositioning to show people what they want to show them in various show scenes. Um, I think it'll be a good coaster, but it looks like the technology has already been applied in a pretty big coaster called Harry Potter and the Escape from Gringotts. Yes, one of my favorite roller coasters at Universal. Um, just because of the other things it does, you've got um, some cool things with the track. Don't want to spoil it if you haven't uh, been on that ride, but um, it looks very similar. Uh, and what I find also interesting, and I guess any park could do this, but Universal has it, and it's just a roller coaster. Here, Disney is doing this play of calling it the Omni Coaster. Um, and I wonder what the involvement there is between Disney and I believe Vacoma is making the new. Guardians of the Galaxy ride, so 
how, I wonder how that works to where it seems like Disney just just taking credit for it. Like, oh, yep, Omnicoaster, that's ours. Hmm. Um, if anything, I think that from the little we've seen of what Cosmic Rewind looks like from a coaster perspective, it'll have more of a coaster experience than Gringotts. I mean, you, you look at Gringotts and you have one drop from the tilt track, a few turns, a launch here and there. Um, but it's it, it's very dark ride heavy, very screen heavy and yep. show scene heavy. I think we'll get more of a coaster continuous experience in Cosmic Rewind uh, when compared to Gringotts, at least. Which is still a coaster. Yes, it is. <laughs> that is not up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is something that might be up for debate. Uh, we know it is a coaster, but let's head over to the Smoky Mountains in East Tennessee to a little park called Dollywood. Yes, that's right, because there was some coaster event last weekend, and uh, the park casually dropped ground-shattering, no, earth-shaking information about lightning rod and what's happening to it short story lightning rod has lost some records and what's going on dj what's going on with lightning rod that's right they are losing some records chris and that is because they are replacing at dollywood some of the wooden track the topper track from rocky mountain construction with rmc's whole steel ibox track this is uh, very common on their hybrid coasters it's the only type of track on their hybrid coasters you find this on Steel Vengeance, Iron Rattler, Wicked Cyclone. Uh, this sort of track in the coaster enthusiast world will make this ride a hybrid coaster. Now, we can get into semantics of how it's a real term, hybrid and wood and steel. Um, but that being said, uh, the point here is that this new steel iBox track will certainly cut down on maintenance and will probably... Um, cure some woes, some problems they've been having with this ride. This ride, if you're not familiar with it, is the only launched wooden roller coaster in the world. Yes, DJ, that's right. It's the only launched wooden coaster in the world. You leave the station, and then you take a, a little turn, and then you start going up an incline, an incline, and then BAM! You launch over a hill, and then another hill, and then you, you drop into this valley between two ridges, it's an incredible experience. I'm so glad to have ridden it already. Um, but like you said, they're making some changes to it. They're replacing the previously wooden topper track with this Eibach track, with, which is the steel offering for track from Rocky Mountain Construction, which manufactured and designed um, Lightning Rod. And DJ, I have an idea about this because I think in replacing wooden track with steel track, it would absorb less energy from the trains, allowing for a slightly faster ride, as opposed to wood, which might absorb more of that energy as a train moves over it. I don't know if that's legitimate. That's just something I'm thinking about. I think, too, it has more to do as well with the types of wheels as well and, and what it's running on, too. Um, I think another place you're going to see this replaced, though, because we don't know the exact amount of track. 
I think the bottom of the drop, there's even a spot, you think about that ride, you're over 70 miles an hour at the bottom of the first drop. There's a pretty good section in there where the track isn't even supported. It's just, there's no support underneath it. And I remember they had some trouble with uh, what they would call the ride potholing at the bottom of that drop. I think that's the other place you're going to see some extensive iBox track being brought in for this ride. Right, but we can confirm that with whatever track they're adding, the layout is going to remain exactly the same. Um, it is interesting to note that a lot of trees have been cut down around the layout of Lightning Rod. And I think some people originally were speculating when they saw all these trees cut down, they thought, oh my goodness, they're going to add on to this ride and make it more. But I think they had to cut down all those trees around because when they were originally constructing Lightning Rod, they could sort of build from the out in along that mountain ridge through the trees. They could move the equipment as they go, I think it was. It's how they do a lot of coasters where they build out from the furthest point in. If it's something like you look at Leviathan at SeaWorld along the Gold Coast in Australia, they're building it where they've built the entire lift hill already. They already have the highest point, but they haven't built the first drop yet, and they're building so much around it because right now in the build site, they're constructing these enormous bents that they then lift up and put into place and connect with the rest of the coaster. Um, they're assembling all of that where the first drop is going to be. So the first drop of that coaster is going to be one of the last things assembled because that's where they're building the rest of the ride. I, I know especially with Lightning Rod, they're working with limited space, so they have to get creative, and unfortunately in this case it did mean the loss of some trees around the layout. Yes, that, that, that definitely sounds right, and, and thinking of how can you even get the equipment required into the perimeter of the ride? You know, it's like, well, our only option is to either A, dismantle more of the ride, taking more time, or do what we have to do and uh, cut some trees down and, and work from the outside. That's uh, really sad. We know the Hershey Family Entertainment, they value their trees, both at Dollywood, Silver Dollar City. So I'm sure this was a long debate that they had, but really it was the only option that they had. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, see what, we'll see what happens. Uh, I would be interesting, interested to know, Chris, how you would classify Lightning Rod now. Is this now a hybrid because of one section? And it goes the same with something like with uh, Lightning uh, Run, or not Lightning Run. It goes the same with the coaster down in Orlando at Fun Spot, if we would also call that a hybrid now. How, how would you classify it? This is a very difficult question, DJ. Sometimes I wish that there was just a governing board that could rule on cases like this. Oh, there is. Um, there is? Yeah, rcdb.com. <laughs> uh, they're very informative, but I don't know. If there was a governing board, we, would, we wouldn't be able to talk about it like this. <laughs> true, very true. Um, with Lightning Rod, with a mixture of wooden track and steel track, Ah, oh, that's really tough. I'm going to have to think it might be different when I actually see it in 2021. I'm going to call this still a hybrid coaster 
even though there might not be the whole layout with steel track on wooden supports, there's at least some steel track. The entire um, transfer track and station is not wood, it's steel. So, I mean, at what point? Oh. Is it a certain percentage? Is it more than 50%? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Huh. You've given me more things to think about. Yeah, you uh, might do a Google image search on that, but I'm almost certain that the transfer track, which is an elevator actually on lightning rod, is all steel, and I believe the station is as well. Hmm. Um, but the same goes the same goes for traditional wooden roller coasters. A lot of the um, transfer area, the transfer section itself, most of the time is completely metal. Okay, so let's throw out transfer stuff. I think that doesn't help us. <laughs> right. So uh, I think it's a I think it's a percentage basis here on this. I, I and I again I think we're getting into semantics. There is no governing board, like you said. So parks are going to call it what they're going to call it. The general public is not going to know the difference, or frank, frankly, even care. Um, most of them probably <laughs> have said lightning rods the fastest coaster in the world and wouldn't put the wooden moniker title in front of it. Yeah. And I personally, I wouldn't fault Dollywood for continuing to sell merchandise that said world's fastest wooden coaster, because most people aren't going to care about the difference. Exactly. Um, those exactly. that do just won't buy that merchandise. <laughs> this is, now, it's totally different, in my opinion. If this did slow the ride down significantly, I don't think it will. But if it did for some reason, then that's a whole different story. Well... At that same event, it seems that they also got information about another Dollywood roller coaster uh, undergoing some very interesting enhancements that we know a little bit about, but there is still much to be revealed, and that's Mystery Mine. Yes, and I believe all of this happened at some sort of American Coaster Enthusiast event, if I remember correctly, but another, another announcement for Mystery Mine. One of my uh, favorite roller coasters, actually, just because of how unique it is, uh, love those types of rides. I know you hate it, Chris. <laughs> well, but, maybe uh, this will make it better. Maybe this will make it a good coaster. <laughs> maybe it will. They're they're changing the layout after the first drop. This is the drop. If you're familiar with the ride, it goes along a sort of a truss structure. Um, it's interesting to see the change in the uh, element that they're changing, which is sort of a 90 degree or 180 turn in the air while the track is 90 degrees to the right. It's very interesting. Um, I'm wondering, Chris, if maybe there were some valleying issues uh, that were never really reported, or at least the general public didn't see. And I wonder if that's kind of, they're thinking, well, here's an opportunity as we're changing this trust structure to also do some additional work on it. I wonder if they're going to make it a more substantial ride in that section. Because if I remember correctly, you go up the first lift and then you have a little bit of a drop. And then it just sort of meanders a bit. It goes over that truss structure. You get the horseshoe turn, mm -hmm. and then you come back over the truss structure shortly after that. Yeah, it's a horseshoe turn into like a mid-course break, and then a kind of a mini helix thing to go back in the building. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do to make it a better ride, because surely that's why they're doing this. They're doing it to make it a better ride experience. I wonder what that will be. I wonder what that will consist of. I don't think you will see any changes in the mid-course, because if they change that, you're going to lose a train, um, and they don't want to do that. So hmm. I think it's more of a reprofiling of that horseshoe turn, maybe making it a little bit shorter, 
to ensure that it clears that horseshoe turn because uh, if you ride it, you kind of feel like you might stall on it. Even watching it, sometimes I've seen it go through that that turn a little bit slower than it should, it seems like. Well, one thing is for sure, with these changes, Dollywood, like Holiday World, is investing in their existing coaster experience. Yep. And that's only going to improve the guest experience at Dollywood. And we know Mystery Mine from that's going to be there for a while. Absolutely. Woo, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I think you would like it more if it had those lap bars, but I digress. Yeah. I feel like if they were going to get new trains, they would have announced that. So I think they're keeping their existing trains. Yeah, I think okay. for uh, I think for a lot of people too, um, the the tallest drop on that ride, as you drop through the tunnel and you come outside right into a, a Heartline roll, that's almost a gray out moment for some folks. Woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I don't okay. know. You drop I'll quit fanboying. Top. You get the heartline roll, and then the half loop down, bam, and then you hit the brake. So run. good, so good. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> Moving I'll on. Good fanboying. Yeah. Moving on to Universal Studios Hollywood. I have an update to a rumor that I might have seeded on our last episode. Okay. DJ, if you remember correctly, we talked a little bit about Universal Studios Hollywood. And listener, if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our last episode, it's called The Great British Outreach Show. That's a long story why it's called that, but go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. After you listen to this episode, just put it in yeah. your queue. Chris yeah. gives me an entire uh, geographic description of Universal Hollywood because I've never been there. Yeah, it's a very interesting park and functioning movie studio. And I mentioned how Soundstage 12, which up until this year was home to The Voice, a huge NBC reality show, um, it was also the first purpose-built soundstage at Universal Studios Hollywood. And it was demolished at the beginning of 2020. And that got me thinking. I said, huh, why would that be? It turns out, we have an answer for it, and it's not for theme park stuff, oh? which is okay. <laughs> it's okay that it's That's not for shocking. theme park stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because you think about Universal Studios Hollywood. Over the last five years, there have been ten sound stages demolished to be replaced by theme park uh, rides and everything like that. You look at the construction for Nintendo World in Hollywood, it's taking over where four sound stages used to be. So it's, I thought maybe Soundstage 12 could be replaced with Jurassic World stuff. Just threw that out there with no evidence. And I was wrong. And that's okay. Screamscape, a great news aggregator for the industry, did release, well, they, they linked to this article. Soundstage 12 has been demolished, and it is the future site of the Employee Commons Building and Universal Creative Offices and other employee infrastructure um, at the studios. So it's rare to see such an investment in the employee experience, but right. I'm glad that it's happening. I love when they take care of employees because it doesn't happen enough. 
I'm glad to see it happening, and if it couldn't be for a Velocicoaster, I'm glad it could be for taking care of Universal employees. Making their lives a little bit easier, that's a great thing. Common sense, you treat your employees better, give them a better experience, that translates to the guest experience. Yes, and so it's not going to be for theme park stuff, but that is perfectly okay. I do think that as we move forward, we will continue to see a trend of the theme park overtaking elements of the studios. Because you look at the evolution of the TV and movie production model, it's already adjusting so much in this new world that we're in. I wonder if movie studios are going to have to adapt and if we're going to lose demand for sound stages and movie studios. And once things do pick up again, the theme park business might be a more reliable profit center and a more financially lucrative use of that land. So that's just my speculation. Um, I was wrong about Soundstage 12, but at least we got an answer for it. Something I will close up this section with. DJ, in 2028, do you know where the Summer Olympic Games will be? I did not know until earlier today when I saw a post from Delta Airlines talking about how they're reinvesting in their LAX terminal for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics. Yes, they're coming back to L.A., and it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and you think about the broadcast rights in the United States. Who has them? NBC Universal. Hey. So I think I already read something how Universal Studios Hollywood is going to be the broadcast home of the L.A. Olympic Games. In these years leading up to 2028, I would look for big changes that make that possible. There's already so much there, and yes, it, it, they could probably set up the uh, changes to make it the broadcast home of the Olympic Games next year. But I think they're going to make this special. I think they're going to make it big. I don't know how it will affect theme park operations but I think it will change things at Universal Studios Hollywood. That's all I'm going to say. As always, an expert analysis from you, in my opinion. Well, thank you. I'm just speculating wildly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate it. That's some great information. And uh, hopefully I will get out there soon to experience that very unique park. Definitely on the bucket list. Yeah. You know, another park that might be on the bucket list is SeaWorld Orlando, because they're opening up a new coaster sometime next year called Icebreaker. Uh, what's the full name? Is it Rescue Coaster or just Icebreaker? Liquid I don't know. Ice. I, I, I was going to say Icebreaker, colon, break the ice or, or something like yeah. that. Uh, I was saying Icebreaker, liquid ice, because <laughs> that stuck in my head from a commercial like 10 years ago. I uh, wonder how well this coaster is going to to go with the park. Um, seems like they already have a, a decent collection of rides. Um, as we've seen from the point of view video that SeaWorld released today, uh, which was today of this recording, 
Um, not the most intense ride. Um, I saw some funny Twitter comments. Someone said, is this the most airtime in Florida? <laughs> and then someone mm-hmm. else say, uh, is this a family or extreme ride? And I think, Chris, you and I would classify this as a family ride. If not, yes. it's definitely, you're going to ride this before you ride Kraken, Manta, and Mako, 100%. Yes, and I think in Orlando... You gotta have you gotta have a lot of stuff for the little ones because you're pretty close to the mouse and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff for little ones over there too. So I if this is gonna be a family coaster, that's not a secret. Um, but we did get a great look at what this coaster's layout is going to be and how it's going to go through the layout. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I counted it was like five launches. Is that right? Forwards, backwards, forward, backwards, forwards. Yeah, it's definitely going to go back and forth a lot with that beyond vertical spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes over that overbank turn. You get a bunch of hills, mm-hmm. a quick turnaround, a few more hills, and then you're done. Um, I the think... most aggressive hill will be that hill uh, on your fifth launch. It's so weird to say. But yeah. right before you jump into that uh, that large spike. I think that this video was a nice way to get a taste of the ride. I think when we see the real point of view video, it's going to look even better. Because it's going to be whizzing by trees and other buildings and everything. It's going to feel faster than I think what we see in this video. Where it's just in ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a nice way to avoid having to put in scenery <laughs> in yes. the rendering. Very, very good idea. Also, at the same time, from a park very close by, we got another spicy POV. That was Iron Guazi. So Iron Guazi will have the tallest, or not the tallest, actually the steepest drop on any hybrid coaster. Misspoke there. 91 degrees, so one degree more than the famous Steel Vengeance at Cedar Point. Definitely a fast coaster experience. The whole thing lasts less than a minute it seems like the pov really showed the speed of this thing especially as it flies into the brake run um a little disappointing and you might have hoped that there would be more of a ride just lengthwise um although that of course incurs more cost uh is it better than guazi was uh, the dueling gci they used to have there i would say most people would say yes um it is the only rmc in florida i believe um and so the, the, the experience is definitely going to be a bucket list item for sure. Um, I know this is, if you weren't going to go to Bush Gardens Tampa for some reason, if you're in the area and you don't go, that's insane to me. Um, but this is now a, another reason to go. And if you've been before, definitely another reason to go back. A great coaster collection. And this just ups the ante when a little bit When I more. look at this Iron Guazi video, I think about the first half of Steel Vengeance, where it's up in the air, it's doing these wild flying maneuvers, and I think that's what the entirety of this ride is. It doesn't have that part that Steel Vengeance does when you go into the superstructure of the first half, and you're going twisting and turning, oh, there's an inversion there, oh, and some people say you don't know which way is up. Very aggressive airtime as well in that second section. Yes, incredibly aggressive. And I think we're going to have incredibly aggressive airtime with Iron Guazi, but I think it's going to be a coaster that is built on 
those huge sweeping maneuvers. And I, it's going to be great. It's going to be the best coaster in Florida. You said best in the southeast. I could see it. I could maybe yeah, see it. Yeah. I, you brought up a good point with Goliath. And, of course, you've got all of Orlando to worry about in, in that ranking. It just depends. This is, this is on the rider's preference. What, what do they like? Do they like theming? Do they like big, drawn-out coasters? This probably won't be their favorite. If they love RMC, it's just going to be no contest. You're not going to be able to argue with them. Um, it's just a whole different type of ride. I think they're going to hit the brake run. You're going to say, what just happened? Um, and you're going to want to ride it again. So I can definitely see it becoming the most popular ride in the park, too. Yeah. I just wonder, why did Busch Gardens Tampa hold on to this video for so long? I know they had to have filmed it before March. And they just held on to it. They kept it in their pockets. I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have an Iron Quasi POV. When everyone was saying, give us the video, please. Let us see what this ride is going to be like. And I said, I oh? I doubt they work this close together, but I, I kind of wonder if maybe they were um, communicating with SeaWorld a little bit so that people were kind of back in. Because everyone was waiting on Iron Gwazi, and then I totally forgot about Icebreaker. I actually thought a POV already existed for that ride, but it didn't. Yeah. If anything, what we saw previously from Icebreaker might have just been little snapshots of what the ride yes. looked like. You're right. Now we have yep. a much more complete view of what the coaster is going to be like. Yep, definitely a, a different experience, especially to folks down in Florida, especially if those folks hadn't been able to get up to Six Flags over Georgia and experience their RMC or travel around to be on an RMC. They finally have one. They're going to enjoy it. And I love the color scheme. Absolutely love the purple track. It looks great. Purple is a royal color. It's going to be a good ride. And speaking of good rides, we've got one more piece of information here for our goings-on. Uh, information out of a manufacturer that uh, has gained some popularity in the last decade. Um, a very old manufacturer. Family's been around for a long time. That's Mock Rides out of Germany in Waldkirk. Did I say that right, Chris? Close enough. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> I always have Chris check my German from the brief German classes he took. <laughs> uh, Mock is doing something very interesting. They are, they they've come out with this option on their trains, options for the rider and the guest to experience some of their coasters a bit differently. That's adding one spinning car to the back of their existing trains. Uh, we're not really sure the ins and out of this. Uh, we've seen a video of an off ride and kind of a POV of this ride vehicle but what it looks like chris is that if you have a traditional sitting mock coaster which if you're in the united states think copperhead strike manta there's blue fire in germany at europa park where they showed this vehicle off you've got icon in the uk it looks like you can drop a spinning car onto it um, but it also looks like this is going to be a way for mock to uh sell a coaster honestly we can do sit down or we can do spinning at the same time. More intense experience for the guests wanting that in the back. Uh, we can do it. And that's another point. We don't know if this only does go in the back car of the train. Can it go in the middle? Can it be the front lead car? And we also only see one row of seats. Uh, the only other 
uh, litmus we have for this is Time Traveler. It's spinning mock ride coaster. You've got two folks in front, and then back-to-back is another two riders. Um, so can it do that? We don't really know yet. Uh, it looks like they were just kind of throwing it out there that, hey, uh, we can do this. And I also think because the IAPA Expo that we talked about on our last podcast, since that's not happening, they still wanted to announce this. And this is about the time today would have been the last day of that expo. So mm. makes sense. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, there's a lot of questions. Like with a lot of things we talk about, there is more information to be released in the future when it comes to this hybrid spin option. But there are two interesting coasters that I think about when I consider, huh, who might add a spinning option to an existing mock roller coaster? And that would be? Helix. Okay. That's, where's and, that at? Uh, at Lisaberg. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but it's a, a European park that opened an amazing-looking mock-launched coaster in the terrain and everything. Lisaberg also uh, created the Applause Award, uh, the coveted Applause Award that is given out at IAPA every year to one park that uh, explains excellency in theming, guest experience. It's essentially the best award that a park can be bestowed. Yeah, maybe they're aiming to get a little more applause. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm just creating things out of thin air. (laughs) But another interesting option, this would be by far the most intense roller coaster to have a spinning element if they added it, would be the DC Rivals Hypercoaster (laughs) in Australia. Yes. I don't know if it would be even Which already has a backward car. Yes. So you see they're already looking to vary the ride experience. They already have the last car on the train facing backwards. Why not replace that with a spinning car? Mm, Now we're talking. (laughs) Interesting. So there's still more to be said about the spinning cars. We don't know. They're calling it a hybrid spinning car, I think. Uh, We don't know much about it. Hopefully some light will be shed on this, and maybe we'll see it close to home in the United States, or maybe you'll see it close to your home if you're not in the U.S. Time will tell. Yes. Now, DJ, we are on the Twitter, and we are on the Instagram. The Twitter. Yes, that's how I say it. And I put this uh, post out asking for listener questions. We haven't done this before. But I think it's something that we might do now and again if the listeners have any questions for us, maybe about current events in the industry or our take on various things. So I did a little test run tonight. We did get one question from a listener. Are you ready for it, DJ? Really? I'm surprised we got a question. Yeah, let's hear it. (laughs) Hey, we have 104 followers on Instagram. We're kind of viral. Uh, so let me pull it up. It was on our story. We said, we're recording tonight. Any questions for the show? And we had one taker. This is Stephanie. Shout out to Stephanie. She's our first listener question. She had this to say. What are you smoking this weekend? I'm pretty sure she's talking about barbecue. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't have any meat purchased to smoke this weekend. 
Uh, I did do ribs last week, and if you listen to the top of the show, you'll learn about my barbecue experience from last weekend. So mm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kind of take it easy this week. I don't think I'll be smoking. That could change, but if if that does change, you'll hear it on the next episode. Thank you very much, Stephanie, for asking that listener question. But you didn't let me answer. Oh, what are you smoking this weekend? Nothing. I, I don't have the means to do so. But I appreciate your question. I have an instant pot. Yeah, you'll be steaming. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe some dumplings. That'd be nice. Well, thank you for that listener question. And there are more ways to connect with us as well outside of Twitter and Instagram. If you do have a question, you can ask through there at Corkscrew Convos on both of those platforms, but also email CorkscrewConvos at gmail.com. Ask us any question. Let's at least begin a dialogue. If it's a good question, you'll probably hear it on air, and we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll even go a little bit deeper probably than you would have hoped, but uh, you'll, you will get an answer. And if not, debate from me and Chris at least. Yeah, you might get a shout-out like so many people have this episode. I'm not sure if that's going to continue in such frequency, but... Well, if we get a Patreon, it could definitely happen. Yeah. <laughs> like the credits at the end of the show, maybe. Yeah, we're, we're not there yet. Not there yet. Yeah, we're not asking for money. We're just trying to have a good time and talk about roller coasters and barbecue and occasionally buying houses. And I need to apologize to our audience real quick, Chris. Okay. We talk about this every episode. Um, we always talk about my Twitch briefly. Um, I haven't been on there probably in the last four episodes, mainly because I was buying a house and had all of the fun incorporated in all of that. So I'm set up in my new office, literal office. Be on the lookout. Probably something happening within the next few days. Also, most of my streams get archived so if you missed out on the fun uh, check that out yeah and i'm pretty sure planet coaster if the console edition didn't already come out it's about it's out. to it's out it's out okay yep. well i'm gonna be and, buying and on that. mac as well all you mac users out there it's pronounced mock and it's a german oh. roller coaster manufacturer oh. yep yep sorry <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes i will be getting that for the playstation Maybe I'll be figuring out how to stream, and then maybe I'll get in on the game, and we'll have another Twitch to plug at the end of this episode. Definitely. Maybe we should just do a Corkscrew Convos Twitch, and then whoever's on is on. You know, that's a very interesting idea. I like. The I think our best our best ideas don't happen behind the scenes. It happens during the actual recording. Yeah, like when we were brainstorming names, like the Lonely Loopers. <laughs> Now, if folks are a little bit lonely and they want to listen to us a little more often, there are ways to also listen to us. And the best way to know when a new podcast comes out is to subscribe. Yeah, that's right. If you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say that you were at least mildly interested in what we had to say. So go ahead and subscribe. That way, you will be sure to get these episodes as soon as they are released. 
yeah, subscribe any way you need to do it. You know, turn your notifications on. We're on so many different platforms. I doubt there's one that you listen to that we're not on. Uh, but another great reason to use our email. So if you are listening or want to listen and you're using a platform you don't like, again, email us, corksfromcombos at gmail.com. We'll get you taken care of. Yeah. Sounds like a plan, Stan. Well, my name is Chris. And my name's DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.